Welcome back to Longmont Church of the Nazarene online. Uh, A reminder uh, for those of you who might be interested, we are now gathering for worship on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. in the parking lot. Uh, We try to keep our service to one hour or less. Um, We would like you to bring a lawn chair, um, a water bottle, And because there's very little shade, we would encourage you to bring an umbrella as well, especially on these warm summer mornings. We also recommend that you bring a mask along with you and hope that um, if you feel safe in doing so, that you would come out and join us. Also, uh, a bit of an explanation about this message. Um, In total, it's rather lengthy. So what I've tried to do is find somewhat of a natural break point in it. I'm going to preach part of that sermon um, today and then in a couple of Sundays uh, because I'm going to be out of town a week week from today. Um, I will preach the second half. So I just wanted you to know that. Um, This portion will be a little shorter. The next portion will be a little longer. And if you have your Bibles, um, our passage today is from Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. Again, that's Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14, and we'll be sharing that passage together um, in a few moments. But join me in prayer uh, before we begin. Father, we come to you today with grateful hearts. We recognize, if we just take a moment to think about it, your grace, your mercy, your goodness, your love, your protection, your provision. We thank you for the blood of Jesus, the power of the resurrection. We thank you for the church. I thank you, Father, that we're able to gather together again. We're not back in the building yet, but we're able to gather together and I know that's been a joy the past couple of weeks, and I pray that as things move along and there are fewer and fewer issues with COVID-19, that in coming weeks we'll be able to move back into the sanctuary once again. I thank you today for your word and how it applies to our lives right now today where we live. I pray that we would have open hearts open minds, and willing spirits as you speak to us through the scripture today and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I trust that you all pray for other people. In other words, your prayers aren't focused entirely on your own needs and issues. When you pray for someone else, what what would be some of the things that you generally ask on another person's behalf. You might pray that they would get well if they're sick or injured, or that they would have safe travel if they're taking a trip somewhere, or that they would get a job if they need one, or maybe making a job change, uh, something that they're applying for, a new job, a new situation, or maybe that a relationship in their life would be reconciled. Sometimes things work out like we pray for. Sometimes they don't. 
And these kind of prayers that we pray for other people as we're aware of the needs in their lives might be called prayers as needs arise. Some situation arises in someone's life or maybe even in your own life and it forces you to get down on your knees. And as long as the need is unmet, we will continue to stay on our knees and pray for that need. But as soon as that situation is resolved, we have a tendency to check that one off our list, stop praying for that person, and start praying for that next need that has arised in or arisen in our lives or in the life of someone else. So what we have a tendency to do is pray from emergency to emergency. We are reactive instead of proactive. We are always on the defense rather than being on the offense. This morning I want to look at a, or today I want to look at a prayer that Paul prayed for the church at Colossae. It is a prayer that will change people. It is a prayer that is proactive. It is a prayer that goes on the offense. It's a powerful prayer. And it's not powerful because of the specific words that are used, but because of the subjects of the requests that are made on behalf of the church that Paul is praying for, the people of that church that he's praying for. And you can have complete confidence as you pray this way, this prayer, that each and every request that you make is completely within the will of God for that person. Now, it's it's not powerful because it's some kind of magic formula, but rather because God already desires to do these things in the life of every person. In other words, you are only asking God to do what he already wants to do. And in this text that we'll share together in just a moment, it's obvious that this prayer that Paul prayed is for others. It's for the people who are made up the church at Colossae, the Colossians. And so we'll, we'll approach it from that context, but I want you to know that this is not just a prayer that you can pray for others, it's a prayer that you can pray for yourself. Maybe a prayer that you should pray for yourself. So let's read together the text for today again. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 14. And Paul starts with this, these words, for this reason. So I, I want to back up just a moment to tell you why he says, for this reason. In the, in the first verses of this chapter leading up to verse 9, Paul is commending the church at Colossae. He talks about, um, the faith that they have in Jesus Christ and that the love they have for all the saints. And because they have responded to the gospel, it's been bearing fruit and 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 it's been growing. There have been personal growth and the spread of the gospel has been growing. So he says now, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Pretty powerful passage, isn't it? Well, so Paul says, for this reason, and we've explained what that's about. Then he goes on to say, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I would say that prayer that is effective is prayer that's persistent over a period of time. Maybe you've found that to be true. In fact, we know that there's some cases where we have to be persistent. There are some things we must pray for in an ongoing way, persistently, continually. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, I think, is a prime example of that. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. We always want the name of God to be hallowed or honored. Something that we should pray in an ongoing way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Certainly, we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done. That's something we need to pray persistently, continually. Give us this day our daily bread. We all like to eat. And we need, that's something we need to pray continually as well. God provide our basic needs. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. Boy, and that's an area people struggle with sometimes. It's something that we may need to be praying about continually. Whether we have offended others or sinned in some way, or whether others have offended us and we need to be able to forgive them. It's a prayer that we often need to pray in a consistent, repeated way. And then, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Well, that's something I know I need in my life all the time. Lead me, Lord God, not into temptation, but deliver me from the evil one, from evil. So these are things in, in, in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples that are the kind of things we need to pray persistently in an ongoing way. At other times, we need to be persistent in prayer because the answer doesn't come right away or in what we think is the right time, according to our timing. I want to share with you um, uh, a devotional I read in Our Daily Bread this past week. It was written by Elisa Morgan. And uh, the scripture passage she she uses uh, as a basis for this devotional is from the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I'll share that passage with you right now. Habakkuk writes, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. 
It speaks of the end. It will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. Now, I think we might read into that, it will certainly come and not delay, meaning, well, the answer is just around the corner. No. Before that, it says it will come at the appointed time. So God has an appointed time for the answer to this prayer, and that will not delay. But the answer might be next week, or next year, or ten years from now. We need to understand that. She goes, so she writes in, in response to this passage of scripture, just outside my kitchen window, a robin built her nest under the eaves of our patio roof. I loved watching her tuck grasses into a safe spot and then hunker down to incubate the eggs. Each morning, I checked her progress, but each morning, there was nothing. Robin eggs take two weeks to hatch. Such impatience isn't new for me. I've always strained against the work of waiting, especially in prayer. I think a lot of us can relate to that. My husband and I waited nearly five years to adopt our first child. Decades ago, Catherine and Marshall wrote, Prayers, like eggs, don't hatch as soon as we lay them. The prophet Habakkuk wrestled with waiting in prayer. Frustrated at God's silence with Babylon's brutal mistreatment of the southern kingdom of Judah, Habakkuk commits to stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts to look to see what he will say to me, what God will say to him. And God replies that Habakkuk is to wait for the appointed time and directs Habakkuk to write down the revelation so the word can be spread as soon as it is given. What God doesn't mention to Habakkuk is that the appointed time when Babylon falls is six decades away, creating a long gap between the promise and the fulfillment. Like eggs, prayers often don't hatch immediately but rather incubate in God's overarching purposes for our world and our lives. So why are there what we call delays in response to our prayers? Well, first of all, God often has a predetermined timetable. This is a perfect example from Habakkuk. We know that it was true in the life of King David. He was anointed as a teenage boy, but it was years before he was able to ascend the throne. Jesus' birth, the Messiah was expected for years and years and years, but the scripture says it was in the fullness of time when Jesus Christ came. So, one reason there's not an immediate response to our prayers is because God sometimes has a predetermined timetable for some things. Another reason that there are delays in response to our prayers is because of spiritual warfare. In, in Daniel chapter 9 and chapter 10, it talks about a prayer that Daniel prayed and a vision that he saw. And, and eventually in chapter 10, uh, a messenger comes to Daniel with an answer from God. And so we pick that up in Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. And this is now the, the angel, God's messenger, speaking to Daniel. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, 
Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. So God heard right away. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom kingdom resisted me 21 days. So there was spiritual warfare taking place. The messenger that God sent was delayed because he was doing battle with the prince of Persia. Not a, a human prince, but a spiritual ruler. So, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes of God, one of God's angels, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So, it took a while for God, or for the answer to come, because there was spiritual warfare going on. And that's what the angel explains to Daniel in this passage. And sometimes it's the same thing when we pray for for others or things to happen in people's lives. There is a spiritual battle taking place that we are not aware of. And yet, it may be because of those spiritual battles, that spiritual warfare, that those delays occur. And then third, one of the other reasons, the third reason that we may not see responses to our prayers in the time that we like is because God is still working in people's hearts and in their minds and in their circumstances to accomplish his will. God does not run over us. God does not trample on our will. He works with us. I remember when I was um, a kid, um, we listened to Christian radio in our house. And uh, there were t- you could call into the Christian radio station and request songs. And my brother and I loved a song called The Hornet Song. And it was about how God works in our lives. And the fact that he will not walk on us. He'll not force us. He's given us a will to choose. And so The Hornet Song had a line in it that went like this. Like the hornet... God will not compel us to go against our will, but like the hornet, he can make us willing to go. So often, God is at work in the lives and circumstances of people to make them willing to cooperate with him so that our prayers on their behalf can be answered. These are some of the reasons why we need to be persistent in prayer because the answers don't always come in the time that we think they should. And in this prayer, Paul tells us not only to be persistent, but he also tells us what to pray. He says, pray that they, others, or we, may know the will of God. So many people in our world, are confused about what their purpose on the earth really is. They think it has something to do with the job, or what the balance of their checkbook says, or how much they have in investments, or what kind of possessions they have, or how their kids turn out, or how they excel at something, some particular skill, or athletic pursuit or recreation. And all of these may be good things, and they can fit into God's purpose for your life, 
But they are not God's purpose for you being here. They are not what God wants to accomplish in you. If your job is your purpose on earth, what happens when you lose your job or you retire? If the accumulation of possessions is your purpose in life, what happens when a fire destroys your belongings or you lose it all because you've lost your income? If raising children is your purpose in life, what happens when they don't turn out the way that you planned? If excelling at something is your purpose in life, what happens when you can't do that thing anymore? Or you lose your edge? Or someone else is better? Um, I've seen specials on television about pro athletes and Olympians who are, say, past their prime, and how they struggle with that. That was their purpose in life. And I have to admit, <clears throat> um, I work out in, in, with, uh, in the core athlete, uh, the people who rent our gym and do athletic training. And very often there are people in there who are 40, 50 years younger than I am. And it's difficult to watch what they can do, and I used to be able to do, and I can't do anymore. And I struggle with that sometimes, but fortunately, that's not my purpose in life. It shouldn't be yours either. Well, none of the things that I just mentioned are God's intent, God's will, God's purpose for us being here. If your purpose for existence is built on anything that you can lose, then you're on very dangerous ground. As soon as you lose that one thing that is most significant for the meaning in your life, then you no longer have purpose. And if you don't have purpose in your life, then what's the meaning in your life? And when you have, do not have meaning in your life, it can lead to all kinds of problems. In fact, in some cases, people take their lives because they've lost the meaning and purpose. Or they've never really known what it was. But God, God's word tells us there are at least three factors or three parts to God's purpose for us being here. Number one, salvation. God says in his scripture, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's desire, God's purpose for our lives that we would all experience the cleansing blood of Jesus and know a personal relationship with God through what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Second, God's purpose for us is growth. The scripture says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ Jesus. Growth into Christ's likeness. God wants us, spiritually, in character, to grow into the likeness of Christ, to look like Jesus. And then third... Our third purpose is to bring glory to God. The scripture says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, 
do all to the glory of God. The Westminster Short Catechism says it this way. It asks this question, first of all, what is the chief end or primary purpose of man? And the answer to that catechism is man's primary purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And folks, we glorify God by entering into relationship with him through the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross and then growing into Christ-likeness. Everything else flows out of that. And then notice that Paul says that those he is praying for are to gain this understanding of God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now let me tell you, you won't have that all at once. That is something you will grow into. This means to develop the mind of God. (laughs) Developing is a process. And it's, it's a process of seeing our world and our lives from God's perspective, through his eyes, through the lens of Scripture. Paul, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, calls it being transformed by the renewing of our minds. That is, developing, developing the ability not only to determine what is right and wrong, but also what is good Better and best. There are a lot of things that I can include in my life that are good things. But I need the ability to sort through all the options and see which things would most aid my growth as a Christian and my ability to bring glory to God. I need the ability to discern the will of God through his word and through the leading Of his Holy Spirit. So, pray for people that they will know their purpose, God's will for their lives, through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Understanding yourself that as you pray that for them or for you, that that is a process of growth, it's a development process. So, we're praying that they or we will know God's will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. How does that happen? Through prayer, through study of the Scripture. And folks, that's where the fellowship of believers come in. comes in. The teaching of those who are farther down the road in their walk with Jesus than we are, that have spiritual wisdom and guidance to share with us. Our ability to listen and learn. And also to see what God is doing in our own lives through the circumstances that he has us in. Pray that they will have a knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Well, in my mind, that's kind of the natural break point In this passage, next week, we'll look now, what are the expected results as we pray this prayer for people? And let's pray as we end today. Father, thank you that we can have a knowledge of your will for our lives. I've never believed 
that your will was like the cheese at the end of some impossible maze somewhere. You want us to know what your will is. You want us to know what your purpose is for our lives so that we can have the meaning that is so necessary and live in a growing relationship with you as we become more and more like Jesus. May we hide these words in our heart. And Father, next week then, as we begin to look at the expected results, may we desire those results in our own lives. And again, we ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you again for being with us today.